This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi everybody, welcome to the Angel Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, the founder of Summit Life, but then also my mom, Carmen Furrow. Uh, As we always start every show, our vision here at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see our identity in Christ through God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective as they passionately pursue their upward call in Christ, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, guys, we are actually on the start of week three. Time is going fast as uh, we've been doing this. Uh, I guess it goes fast as you're digging into the word and having fun as well. Um, But I know, Dad, we've been talking about breaking our addiction two time. We're on, actually, we did part part three last week, and now this is going to be part four. Uh, So it's uh, pretty exciting. But thanks, everybody, for being with us as we are in this journey. It's been such a pleasure to see everybody's comments and feedback, but this has been pretty awesome so far. And remember, as you're watching, to leave your questions if you have any, because we're going to talk about those on Friday. Um, I'm going to jump in and let's review where you were with Breaking Addiction to Time. Um, We had talked about why it's hard to change. Um, And you talked about the parable of the wine and the wineskins. And three truths that came out of that, that old structures don't have flexibility. So you cannot continue to use old structures because there's no room for change in those. Um, Number two, new things must be put in a new structure or a new wineskin, and we must continually be that new, being renewed structure so that we can receive the new thing um, and not break and be broken and not be able to hold that new thing. Um, It's a spiritual maturity test for us. What we can receive from God will will. indicate to us our spiritual maturity, not just what we can do for God, but that we can receive from him and what we can receive. And then the third one is um, a truth that we prefer the old a lot of times instead of the new thing. So um, we resist new environments or new frontiers, new things because we're unfamiliar and I think we have trust issues sometimes with that because right. we, we have to trust God in a new thing because we don't know. So you want to take it from there and, and go on. Yeah, and thank you for reviewing those three things because <laughs> I think in the last episode I said there's going to be three truths that we're going to review out of this parable. And I I did too. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, old wineskins uh, become resistive. They lack capacity for flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so the new wine has to go into new wineskins, and that represents our receptivity. I'm just re, um, you know, reviewing what you just said in the review. But then the instinctual reaction of our human nature, because there is embedded within our sin nature a spirit of bondage again to fear. We're fearful of change. And so change is extremely hard. You know, I have shared this message over the lifetime of my ministry. Mm -hmm. It's been an emphasis. Yeah. Because I I have felt compelled to prepare people for the changes that I saw that God was wanting to make in the church. Mm -hmm. 
well, here I am, 57 years old, and I feel like uh, the first person that I need to preach to before I preach to others is myself. Because the older you get, the more fearful change is. Um, and, And you've accumulated all of this wisdom uh, commonsensical type mm-hmm. wisdom from all of your experiences where you've learned that was a near-death experience. <laughs> Don't do that again. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, I learned, uh, you know, through the school of hard knocks. I love some uh, the people, you know, on their Facebook pages when you read about them and, and it has a place for them to state their education. Mm-hmm. And they just said, have a doctoral degree from the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> yeah. and, well, a lot of us have master's or doctoral degrees from the mm-hmm. School of Hard Knocks. And, yeah. and so what you do is you have this accumulated volume of experiences. But like I said, uh, in one of these things, on, on one of our episodes on breaking the addiction to time, Many things, they protect us, they preserve us, things that we've learned, but they also prevent us. Mm -hmm. And so it is hard to change, but I want to throw out something and develop a a truth uh, in this session. If I had to answer the ultimate reason why we are fundamentally resistive to change... And I'm going to repeat what I just said. It is because we haven't been delivered from fear. Mm -hmm. There is a spirit of bondage, a chain to an age uh, that, that is empowered by a spirit of fear that traps us, that captures us in these moments where everything is static. We want it to stay the same. But really the reason why we prefer to be in slavery to fear is because truly we lack a revelation of the love of God. We have not really fully matured in love. And we know what the Apostle John said. He said, perfect love, fully matured love delivers us uh, from fear, delivers us from things that would create anxiety and torment in our heart and mind. And so in the last 20, 30 years, one of the most uh, emphasized things, truths that God has been expressly speaking to his church by the Spirit has been the message of identity in Christ and how identity informs destiny, where God is taking us that identity is the foundation uh, for destiny. Mm -hmm. But with all of this teaching on identity, as someone that that was a pastor for the majority of my ministry, I found that the most repeated messaging that I had to convey to the people of God was that God, and it's the most simple message that every believer can receive. God loves you. Mm-hmm. But how is it that I'm so receptive to hear that on a Sunday, but on Monday I completely forget mm-hmm. what God reminded us of on a Sunday? So it shows me that even though I am hearing that God loves me, 
and that I have an identity in Christ. But what that shows me, if I have to have that repeated to me over and over and over again, God loves you. God loves you in your weakness. God loves you in your immaturity. And uh, you have the ability to please him, even in that immaturity and weakness. If I had to keep telling you that, it means that you may have experienced initially, you have believed the love of God at some point, or you, excuse me, you have known the love of God at some point, but do you really believe what you have received? And then once you believe it, then you allow your love and his faith Mm -hmm. to be matured in you, his hope to be matured in you, so that no matter what the context, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the future holds, you are confident in love. Faith is working by this mature love, and this mature love functioning by his faith that he is developing in you, you're able to confront whatever is in your face, whatever you're facing, whatever uh, in the future uh, that is coming down the road towards you, that you could say, I don't know what this is. Um, It it is intimidating. It could be scary. Mm -hmm. Um, This is frightening. All of a sudden, love rises up, maturity of love, where we make a, a declaration. I am the loved of God. I am loved by my Father. He does not have to in any way again or again reinforce that to me because Jesus's Life, Mm -hmm. death, burial, and resurrection is enough of a final word that then sustains my heart, that gives me a confidence in the love of God. And Paul said this. I mean, in some ways, I'm just repeating what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, where he said, I am fully persuaded. I am convinced. I've seen Spiritually, the word conviction or being convinced of something means that the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. You see something that you could not see for yourself. And he said, there's nothing from my past that can come and recapture me and drag me back there. There's nothing in my present. There's nothing in the future Um, that could be, you know, this intimidating thing that denies me in the future of experiencing the love of God or being kept in the love of God, no angel, no, no, no demon, no principality and power. And so we're able then to function in such freedom to move forward instead of having to be in control. And the Lord is going to contend with his people over this issue of lordship. This issue of control. And, you know, we talked about, you know, is Jesus Lord? And we go, yes, Jesus is Lord. (laughs) Yet I want to micromanage every aspect of my life, make sure I feel okay uh, in the matrix that I have made for myself to where I feel comfortable at all times. And the Lord says, no, I am going to buy for the reins of the leadership of your life. I'm going to buy for the reins 
of the headship and leadership of my church. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to allow my church to be governed by a spirit of bondage that enslaves them to fear. Now, I want to go to a passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm just going to give the reference to it. But in the Song of Songs, or in most Bibles, it's referred to the Song of Solomon. But uh, Solomon, in the first verse, he he described what this uh, poetic book, what, what his definition or title was for it. He called it the, the Song of Songs, or the Song of of all songs. That was a pretty big boast yeah. that he made. But it was a boast in the Lord because yeah. this book is the ultimate song of all songs that has ever been written because it's a prophetic analogy of Jesus as the bridegroom king and his bride that he has chosen her, yeah. selected her or elected her, chosen drew her out, even though she didn't feel qualified Mm -hmm. to be chosen. She wanted to be chosen. She had a desire to be chosen. She said, oh, if he would love me, if he would kiss me with the kisses of his Mm -hmm. mouth. And uh, she saw that he could love her in a way that no one else could love her. And, but she was reluctant thinking that her background disqualified her from being chosen by the king. And and he does. He he calls her out and he sets her apart. And then there is this celebration when he brings her into the king's palace. And he brings her into what we would call the celebration house, the wine house, where the king would hold his feast and have all of the the, the people of the court there and that he could celebrate his choice of a bride and he he could declare his selection, his choice and his love over this bride that he has chosen. And in this book, as the journey begins, but now it's on its way in which she is now seated with him in the celebration house. And he loves her so much, he wants to manifest and and declare his love over her. He actually has a a sign that is written over her that says, this is my beloved and she is mine. In other words, this is the one I have chosen to love and this is the one that I'm going to delight myself in and that I'm going to display lavishly my love over her. And so make no mistake about it. Anybody in the celebration house, when they see the sign and, uh, you know, probably there wasn't an arrow pointing down, (laughs) but make no mistake about it. There was no confusion on who was the, the choice of the king. So she has now encountered his love. She's been invited into this place where she has been lavished with love. She's been celebrated. Um, She is now knowing the love of the king. There is this knowledge of his love that he is revealing over her. Mm -hmm. But then as you go into chapter 2, in the latter part, that the scene changes. So... We, we leave, leave off at the celebration house, 
But now she is in the, this comfortable place of her chambers, her bedroom, and probably it wasn't just one room. It was probably uh, a set of rooms where she had her own private quarters. And so now she's living a life that she could only have dreamed of. Mm-hmm. She's living in a place of, of prosperity and abundance and goodness and the kindness of the king as he accessorizes her to demonstrate his love for her. And with everything the king gives her and all of the comforts and, and the things that he blesses her with to convey how much that he loves her. She really likes it. She likes being (laughs) loved this way by the king. But there is an aspect and a revelation of the king's character that's going to come to her that she's never known before. Mm -hmm. Because she's about to experience the king as a conqueror and as an overcomer. Mm -hmm. He He is also an adventurer. He's an explorer. He's a conqueror. He is an overcomer. And so she's in this comfortable place and she goes, man, I never dreamed how comfortable my life could be with the king, with Christ. And look at how he's blessed me and enriched me in such ways. And she looks out the window and she sees him on top of this mountain and he is leaping and bounding and showing great skill, strength, and agility to navigate this difficult terrain as if he were a flatlander. I mean, he he is moving through this difficult terrain with ease and without any difficulty. And he comes down from the mountain, and I'm sure when she's observing, you know, his 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 abilities and agility and his strength and his prowess and his power, then she goes, man, I'm glad that I'm loved by one so strong, so great, so powerful. But then he comes down the mountain and he comes to her and he said, here is a new season that I'm going to bring you into. It's a new springtime. Everything's blooming, you know, there is, there is a, a season of growth that I want you to experience. But where you're going to see a, a new time of growth in your life is you must follow me into the mountains. I'm going to take you out of the palace. I'm going to take you out of the celebration house where I declared my love to you and where everything has been nice and comfortable and you've lived at ease and luxury and in abundance. And I, I, I've tried to demonstrate to you how much I love you and how secure I want you to be in my choice of you. But I'm going to call you out of that comfortable place. I'm calling you out of the comfort zone. And I want you to go with me and we're going to leap and we're going to dance and we're going to 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 run through the mountains. And her response in this this song, in this this poem, yeah. she goes, I can't do this. I am not a mountain climber. I am I, I don't have the skill, I don't have the agility, 
I don't have the temperament to overcome what you have overcome. I don't have the ability to, to fight and to win the battles that, that you are wanting to fight. And I know you want me to come and partner with you, co-labor together with you. You want me to run with you where you're going, but I've never been here before. You know the mountain passes, you know the ways, you know the, the trails, but what if we get separated? What if we get lost? I will be left to die on the summit. I'll be left to die in one of these dark mountain passes of this dangerous territory. And so what this meant was she was not really confident mm -hmm. in his love. She had, she had known his love at a certain level, but where he was taking her, she did not know if his love would endure or be maintained in those environments. So why wouldn't she know that? Because she had received his love. So she had received the love, but why wouldn't she respond like, yes, wherever you go, why was her response hesitant or why did she resist the full-hearted response? Yeah, I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. I think that it revealed a fear and an insecurity that she still had and a level of doubt. Is the one that celebrated me in the, in the mm -hmm. celebration house. Is he the same in his character as he is on the mountaintop? Because he was dressed in royal, comfortable, silken robes in the celebration house. When he comes running down the mountain, he, he's dressed in military uh, attire. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've never seen him in this manifest this type of aggressiveness to where he's challenging me to be something that I don't think I am. And so she gets uh, these, these feelings of insecurity and then she doubts his character mm. and really it's, it's you know his love for her and a fear begins to take over. A fear begins to control her. And in the next uh, episode, I wanna pick that up on this spirit of bondage again to fear. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, the Lord is challenging his bride in this hour to venture out of the comfort zone and to he's going to take us to place places where we're going to have to run with him in places that we've never been. Very true. Now, I noticed as you're talking about the king's love, you and mom's eyes kind of locked for quite a while. There. That's right. I mean, you notice I just ignored yeah, you completely. I felt kind of lonely in this one, and I almost just walked off. I was like, I'll let you have, uh, you guys have your moment there. You know, song is song. song. It's about <laughs> divine romance, but it's also illustrated through human love. And so, <laughs> so true. We have a revelation going through. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, guys, on that note, we just want to say, Thank you for being with us today. If you want to get more information and more content, visit us at summitlifeministries.com. Guys, if you like what you're here today, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure on YouTube you leave your comments and your questions for this episode. We are going to be answering them for you on Friday. But uh, thank you guys again for following us with us today and God bless.
What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.